This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention, I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome to another evening of Star Talk Live. It is my very great pleasure to bring on the host of Star Talk Radio, ladies and gentlemen, Neil deGrasse Tyson! Tonight's topic is robots. Yeah. So I want to bring out one of the world's experts in robotics. In fact, he's based in New York City. He is one of the co-founders of Honeybee Robotics. Why should you know that name? Because they make robotic tools that fly on rovers that have been to Mars. Give a warm Brooklyn welcome to Stephen Gorvan. Stephen. The show wouldn't be complete with just two people who know everything about robots. We need people to be inquisitive and make fun of their knowledge. So it is now my great pleasure to bring on two comics. Ladies and gentlemen, from FXX's Totally Biased, Kamau Bell! And... From film and television, Jason Sudeikis. So, we're going to start off with perhaps the most famous space probe ever made headlines in the last couple of weeks, Voyager 1. Voyager. Voyager was launched September 5th, 1977. What's special about it is that it was launched with enough energy to careen around Jupiter and Saturn. By the time it exited the solar system, it had enough speed to leave the solar system entirely. And upon doing so, just recently, it actually crossed the border between our solar system and space. 
the farthest object we have ever sent anywhere, ever. I hope it has its papers. <laughs> so it's powered by plutonium. Yeah, you're looking at me like, uh, yeah. Yeah, Neil, this one fact you have correct. <laughs> plutonium, by the way, was manufactured in a lab in a particle accelerator in 1940, and it was the next element discovered after the cosmic object known as Pluto was discovered. And so they named the element after Pluto. The, the planet. The dwarf the planet. His whole thing is that he ruins the careers of planets. That's, <laughs> that's right, right. That's right. By the way, the two elements before plutonium on the periodic table are neptunium and uranium. So it's Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. So Pluto got an element named after it on false pretense. <laughs> Did Pluto hurt you as a child? Yeah, what happened? <laughs> really, you got it named a dwarf planet. You won. You won the battle. Voyager took advantage of a rare alignment to the planets because when you launch a probe, you don't aim for where you want to be. You want to aim for where the object will be when you get there. I get that's like Magic Johnson to James Worthy. <laughs> Nope. I get that. Magic leads the, leads the pass, leading the fast break. You don't pass to where he is. You no. pass to He's where gone. he will. He's gone. He's not going to be there. <laughs> not even going to be there. So the Voyager mission took advantage of the gravitational fields of Jupiter-Saturn to gain further energy to get out of the solar system. And it took images. We got the best images of Saturn at the time, of Jupiter's red spot, of the moons of Jupiter. One of them is Io, which is tidally torqued by Jupiter and the surrounding moons itself, which makes it hot. Mm -hmm. You ever, in a racquetball, if you hit it, you say, let's warm up the ball. You squeeze it and this heats up the ball. It also heats up planets. Who squeezed Voyager again? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just saying we got good images of volcanoes on Io yeah. from Voyager's trip. Let me ask you something here. Voyager, there's nothing sort of mechanical on it, really. Would you, in your classification, think of it as a robot? No. There you go. He just widowed you. Not a planet, not a robot. We're just crossing them off. Next subject. Well, wait, wait. The, the question of what a, a robot is is an important one, I think. And I think the simplest definition is that it's a programmable manipulator. Now, I realize that that sounds more like a cross between a computer and my ex-wife. Hey-o. <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> I just got you a writing job on his show. Oh, nice. All right. But if a machine doesn't do more than a few things, it's not really a robot. That's why the Curiosity robot on Mars... We'll get there. we got a whole segment well, on that. Well, I know, but it does many things. When it's, it manipulates things, I think that's what makes it a robot. If it does sort of one things or a, few, a, a short classification of things, then it's an automated spacecraft. Okay, so you make things that manipulate things, and the name of your company has robotics in it. But that's what robots, I think, do. I mean, we, no, no, you've defined robots to be that what you make in your company. Is that are fair you, to my toaster? Are you quoting Shakespeare? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, I like to think of everything that does a task that you'd otherwise have to do manually is a... Is a Coca-Cola machine, the bottling machine, a, a robot? I bet is The one with the moving arm, and can it make new choices? Oh, you see that the moving arm one is good. Okay, we, we could debate that? I don't it's know. It's a player piano from the 1920s that can play all different kinds of music on it, and it's a very complicated mechanism. No, a that's robot. a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> That's a ghost. <laughs> it is true. Those keys just move. Yeah. Because you no, see No, it's not a robot. So no, I'm saying that a robot, a robot can do many different things if it could without play the having piano to retool it. And was a walk, then I'd be like, that's a robot. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Sorry to complicate things. Okay, so then I, I have nothing to talk to you about for no. this whole segment. <laughs> it's okay yeah. to call it a robotic spacecraft. He said condescendingly. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why you need plutonium on board is plutonium is radioactive, it gets hot, and you take something called a thermoelectric coupler. We've seen Back yeah. to the Future. We know, yeah, I get yeah, you. Yeah, we no, know. that's what I'm saying. Okay. You got to go okay. 88 miles per hour. And yeah, yeah, we get yeah, it. No, so you get that, and then you generate electricity from that. Yeah, from the, from the clock tower. We know this. <laughs> Why doesn't it use solar panels? Because it is so far away. The sun is no brighter than just a slightly brighter little star in the night sky. It's ineffective as an energy source. So therefore, you got to give it an energy source that it takes with it, and there you have your plutonium. So how and much? we're running out of plutonium in the world. What? <laughs> really? You're telling me you can't make plutonium at the Museum of Natural History with all your knowledge and access to phones. Right now, there's 36 pounds of plutonium in the world. That's it. That's it. Can't we steal it back from terrorists? <laughs> <laughs> what did the doc have? That was plutonium, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we can get it in, from in Christopher his... Lloyd. <laughs> so he's one source. <laughs> Well, no, he stole it. You know, he, he I mean... Oh, stole it from the thing. Libyan terrorists. Yeah. You yeah. know, there was a lot of protest when that plutonium showed up at Cape Canaveral to be launched into space because they, people considered that was dangerous. And there was a lot of preparations made for the protests that were going to happen for the launch. And one person showed up for the protest. <laughs> and there was a SWAT team there to deal with it. You know what happened? They, they launched beat that the person. crap out of that guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> Good. Yeah. That's what he gets for trying to stop the future yeah. of progress. That was so. in Florida? Yeah. Was he a black guy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get to the other angle. I could have been there. what makes Voyager sort of culturally special. We knew in advance it was going to leave the solar system. And if anybody was going to capture this after it left the solar system and try to ask questions about it, it would be some intelligent aliens. So why not put messages on board mm -hmm. that they could then decipher and then maybe they could learn about us. And so included in that messaging is like the return address of where the solar system is in the galaxy. Fools. <laughs> and... At the time, that really sounded like a good idea, but now you don't give your address to strangers of your own species. No. And we're giving the address... You do of if you like to party. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so Voyager, after it passed Neptune, was instructed to perform a task. They turned it around, looked back to the inner solar system, and photographed Earth. A yep. selfie. A selfie. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I haven't thought about Did that. It, it still had the duck lips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the moon is photobombing. It's a whole thing. That I moon. <laughs> so this image led Carl Sagan to write a very famous book called The Pale Blue Dot. And in it, he waxes poetic about our presence in space. He talks about, as you stare upon this pale blue dot, Barely a pixel in the image. This is Earth, something we're so accustomed to seeing with mountains and valleys and craters and hills and oceans. It's big. It is not even a pixel in this image. And he says, everyone you've ever known, read about, heard about, lived out their lives on that speck. And all the wars that are fought over the temporary command of one plot 
of land versus another all happened on this speck. Everyone who contributed to what we call history lived out their lives on that dot. And so it's humbling. It's the cosmic perspective. Yeah. There's a great indigo strain that'll make you feel that way, too. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard. I've heard. You've heard. heard. Exactly. (laughs) Also on this ship, there's a golden record. It's gold-plated. The set of sounds on it are called Murmurs from Earth. And we put together a sequence of them. Let me just, I got a crib sheet here. Is it like a romantic mix CD? Like we got Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, here we go. No, it does not contain Olivia Newton-John. She didn't travel back in time to send her music to space (laughs) where it belongs. It's got greetings in 55 languages recorded on the sidewalk of the UN. People of all these languages came up and they recorded greetings in their native languages. So literally aliens can come to Earth, say hello in 55 languages, yes. and then murder people. <laughs> and then blow and up the White literally House. 55 nations will let their guard down. <laughs> Maybe more. So uh, they know how to say hello. They must be friendly. Yeah. Let's check it out. Imagine you're in outer space and this is what you're hearing. You don't know what humans are. Oitnis poteste chairete. That's Greek. Cantonese. Who is that? Arabic. Hola y saludos a todos. Duh. Salvete quicumque estis. Bonam erga vos voluntatim abemus. Et pacem per astra ferimus. We're assuming this is greeting. He said very calmly. Hello from the children of planet Earth. <laughs> that was Jeffrey Dahmer. That was a young Jeffrey Dahmer. Closest cousin right there. That's embarrassing. Tractor in a river? The tractor in a river? I would love it if this is just the guy from Police Academy. Morse code. (laughs) They sent Michael Winslow to space. Make the sound of machine guns to scare away enemies. We're missing the Morse code. Too late. Time delay between the countdown and when the yeah. microphone catches it. You 
went somewhere and they made you listen to this and you didn't know about their culture, you would think they were insane. Yeah. <laughs> 98 sounds. <laughs> Enjoy. One of them's a tractor in a river. Why? This is followed by a kiss. Just, oh, all right. Uh, it was a quick kiss. Yeah, <laughs> they're just friends. <laughs> Beethoven. Is it, is it the fifth of Beethoven? Is this the, the disco one? But I don't But I don't It was 77, right? And finally... Back to the future, <laughs> just like I was saying. Marvin, I have a So you might wonder, where's Voyager going? It will take 40,000 years for it to come near the nearest star to it. And so we really still haven't gone anywhere. It's comforting. Yeah. It's headed towards a star in the constellation Camelopardalis. Camelopardalis is the giraffe. Of the 88 constellations, one of them is a giraffe. This is the point it starts to feel like science is just making stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> it's headed towards this place named this thing. You don't know that it's named that thing. <laughs> <laughs> we sent Voyager to meet a giraffe in outer space. That's, <laughs> and you're going to stick by that story? <laughs> it's going to come within 1.6 light years of a star called Gliese 445. So there you have like highlights from Voyager. Yeah. It's our robotic emissary that has gone the farthest. And we're calling it robot. Just want to say. I'm with Steven. I don't know. Taping Chuck Berry to a spaceship is not necessarily a robot. <laughs> that's, that's, is that's what it was. Admittedly impressive. It was duct taped to the. Yes, yeah. that's what it was. By the way, the aliens are given instructions on how to play this phonograph record, how to make the needle, and how to then retrieve the sound from it. Oh, yeah? So, yeah. That's kind of condescending. How, how are they giving, <laughs> yeah. But what if we affect other cultures? <laughs> With American rock and roll. <laughs> oh, by the way, it wasn't just Beethoven and Chuck Berry. It was music from all around the world. It was like Aboriginal music and mountain music. So there's some, been some debate about whether it really left the solar system because Earth's gravity extends beyond that. And it hasn't really fallen into the next star yet. So if you're a gravity person, no, it hasn't left the solar system. If yep. you're a gravity person. That's and what if you're not a gravity person? Well, no. If you were then a planet you're floating. person. <laughs> if you were a planet person, you would say it left the solar system after it crossed the orbit of Neptune. Oh. It's just a matter of how you want to define solar your, system. Your, your solar system. How do you define it? I'm going to go by your take. I like the definition they used. The sun is losing mass every moment of every day. It is, we call it the solar wind. It's charged particles extending out. So isn't it where the solar wind heads the other direction? Is it the end? Of the heliopause? No, no, so the solar wind goes out in every direction. And it keeps going out, and there's a point where the sun's field that controls what these particles are doing becomes indistinguishable from the galactic magnetic field. Mm -hmm. And when you cross out of us into that, you will no longer be able to use the particles as an indicator of which way you came from. Right. That's all. So you can't use solar particles to get back to Earth if you happen to be far, far deep Correct. in space. You'd have to use some other cues, but not that. 
That's would right. be some cues like well, a rope. You say, well, there's the sun right there. <laughs> you, you can cl- still see, see the sun. <laughs> you can, it'll really? be the, your closest star to you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you'd still would see. Would Apple it. Maps still work that far? Out? <laughs> Does it work here? <laughs> All right, we're done with Voyager. When we come back, more on robots, robots on Mars. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com slash startalk. Code startalk.
So now let's talk about the robots that Stephen will agree are robots because he builds these. I'm going to say, he might be right about what's a robot because of his robot knowledge. <laughs> Nothing worse than a nerd bully. <laughs> right now, I've lost count. There are dozens of robots and telescopes orbiting the Earth on their way to planets, orbiting planets, and basically it's humans attacking the solar system. And in particular, the ones that typically get the most press are the ones that go to Mars. Because Mars, if you didn't already know, has basically a 24-hour day. It has a tipped axis, like Earth's axis. Mars has polar ice caps, like Earth. Mars has evidence of running water that had been there long ago. So Mars captures our imagination like no other planet. And the most recent rover there is Curiosity. And Curiosity, beautiful, is the size of an SUV, had very complicated landing mechanisms. They couldn't land this one with airbags. Previous rovers were small enough that you surround it with airbags, it just drops out of the sky, bounces, the airbags deflate, and it goes running on its way. This thing had joists and retro rockets and drogue chutes and all manner of things to slow the damn thing down so it could land safely and softly so that it can then conduct its tasks. Before this, we had a pair of twin rovers, Spirit and Opportunity. One of them that launched 10 years, one of them is still going. Which one is still going? Do you remember which one? Opportunity, 3,500 days. Ooh. Nice. Opportunity, those are much smaller rovers. Do we get information from it? What does it do? Absolutely. It's just doing donuts, right? Just, just peeling out and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so Curiosity descended through the atmosphere in six minutes of... Terror. Of beautifully executed terror. Wonderful engineering achievement. Just to get the thing down on the... Finally, engineers had a day in the sun. They just said, we're going to just plop this thing down. And they optimized the mass of the rover that way. They didn't have to develop a lander. And plus, if you drop it down, you can land with more precision. You can land exactly where you want from the surveillance And we landed photos. about two and a half kilometers close to the center of where we wanted to land. Two and a half kilometers. Which is very, very good. Because of well, it's good if you went 100 million miles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if I was like, I'm at your house, but I'm two and a half kilometers away, <laughs> they'd be like, you're really, really off. But if I went to another planet, they'd be like, not bad. It's that Apple Maps problem again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, we lost the landing location of Opportunity. We didn't know exactly where it landed, and Mike Malin, one of the members of the science team, suggested we spell out with do wheelies and make a, a drawing. Oh, spell the, something? Yeah, so that we could see it from orbit, because mm. we have spacecraft going around the planet. Did you do that? No, because we found it before we were able to ah, do it. Yeah. That would have been so <laughs> fun. Right now. So you built a tool that was on Spirit, on Spirit Opportunity, both of them, right? Well, they're twin rovers, so mm -hmm. the tools are identical. Mm -hmm. So we abraded the rocks on Mars so that you could get below the surface of the rocks so that you could reach virgin rock material. What's wrong with the surface of the rock? Because there's dust and dirt on the rock, Stop. and you'd just be looking at aeolian material that's been blown around the planet. You want to look inside the rock to get a window into the history of the rock and the go. climate. Aeolian. That's aeolian. windswept. I windswept. Guess. So abraded, it means you're like grinding it, basically. We grind well, into the rock with diamonds. What's an example of some of the things that you would get from grinding it? We found a rock at Gusev Crater where Spirit, the first rover, landed. That was a volcanic rock, but there were veins in it, and these were minerals, and we found out that they were water-deposited minerals. So we concluded that there had to have been water at Gusev in liquid form. At some time in the past. At some time in the past, and of course, life is usually associated on the Earth with liquid water. 
Yeah. It's always associated on Earth. Yes. So there and might have been gazelles on Mars. Our, our mantra for <laughs> NASA and the Mars Exploration Program is to follow the water. Follow the water. You had an acronym for your tool. What was it called? RAT. The RAT. So the R stood for what? Rock. Abrasion. Rock abrasion. Tool? Tool. Yes! yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Can I have a job naming stuff? So, so how, how deep tool. in would it go? How deep in? 10 millimeters, typically. Okay, just enough to get it to get Just out. to get past what we call the rind of the rock. And do you have anything on Curiosity? Curiosity, we have a similar tool, and we also have a sample manipulation system, because samples now on, on the Curiosity rover, Mars Science Laboratory, MSL, are taken by the robot arm and deposited in a very sophisticated chemical laboratory where we can identify organic compounds that might... So you're reaching in, scooping up soil and putting it in this... And cuttings from drilling into rock. Did you say 10 millimeters? 10 millimeters. So like that's an inch, yeah? Uh, Half an inch. I mean, sorry, a centimeter? Is is 10 Uh, millimeters a centimeter? (laughs) It's definitely 10 millimeters. 25 millimeters to the inch or so. Yeah. Wait, wait, so... So, how thick would you say this piece of paper is? Is that a millimeter? No, way less than a millimeter. Yeah. Okay, let's do two pieces of paper. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna get it right with these papers. Okay. Yeah. So 25. Best radio ever. Uh, yeah. 2.54 centimeters. Yeah. Is an inch exactly. Yes. That's but, great. But, I, but I'm talking about millimeters. How many millimeters are in a centimeter? 25.4. Right. Millimeters is an inch. So it's a little less than exactly. half an inch. But that was enough to get to virgin rock. You don't I, want to I tell imagine, about yeah. You have to be a virgin <laughs> for it to feel anything. I would say that's not very deep. That's not, that's not very far into the, yeah, into the rock. Yeah, but it's enough for it no, to be like fresh and new. Is it really? That's what I say. That's crazy. That's Just that's, we're talking that much. Wait, 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 but it's not soil where stuff could have seeped in. It's right. a rock. Yeah. yeah. Completely solid. Oh, okay, so yeah. So you're just, you're just cutting off. I'm thinking it's dust. I got you. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You're right. If you scooped up a fossil, you wouldn't even know that it was life because it was fossilized. Isn't that right? You'd be grinding up the fossil and then analyzing ground up fossil and say there's no life on Mars. Well, you're pointing out a very good problem with these rovers. You know, compared to sending... Well, you design these... You, you, I know, but compared they, to sending... They'll be nice. He's a guest at your thing. Be yeah. nice. <laughs> you're right. Man, man, boy. We, we ain't getting paid. Calm down, brother. Just let them... Just, just. If you you send ain't a, doing nothing over there with your man robots. <laughs> if you were to send a geologist... You're just beating up fossils. A, geolo- a geologist to the Mojave Desert, you know, in a helicopter, he'd get out and he'd walk over to a high rise of land and he'd look at the most interesting rock in the distance and he'd walk over to it he'd take out his rock hammer and break it open and take out his loop and look at it that takes maybe a minute and a half in the beginning with spirit and opportunity we could do the same thing but it took us four days to do that so you actually want to go there well that means that robots do not approach the capability of human beings it takes us four days to do something a geologist well, well in, in speed yeah but you can analyze it there you can't duplicate. We have brought a very sophisticated laboratory with Mars Science Laboratory to Mars, more than sophisticated than anything has been brought to another planetary body before, but it still pales to a laboratory in the Earth. So all you have to do is go to Mars, bring stuff back. That's right, and that's what we're doing now. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Wait, what do you mean you're doing it now? You're well, not doing I mean, it now. Well, I'm part of a group that's already getting ready for the 2020 mission. That will the go. Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, no, I, is this a funded <laughs> mission? 
This is a mission called Obamacare. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this a funded mission in 2020? It's as close as it can be to a funded mission. I can tell you that there's money now for developing the conceptual design for the 2020 mission, which will not only you, use... You have design money. You don't have launch money and... No, and no but it's, it's looking very good. Can. Maybe a $7 billion dollar Kickstarter <laughs> where people get also a CD <laughs> of sounds from space. <laughs> But the 2020 rover, if it happens, and I think it will, it you will have. I pray that it will. Yeah. I pray that it will. It will develop probably a cache to gather samples. Handpicked to, by people on Earth. That's right. Yeah. And there will be like a triage system on board the rover to pick the best samples, store them, and come and get that cache and yet another mission. In the another future. mission to retrieve it, or it'll come back to Earth? Another mission to retrieve it. Oh. oh, wow. So now you have to get funding for that mission, Think too. about it. If you're going to... Well, that's true. But if you're going to return a sample from Mars, you have to bring a rocket to Mars. Yeah. yeah. Unless you converted the water in the soils into rocket fuel and then build a rocket ship and send it back. Wow. Get on that, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> so we got other robots out there. We've got New Horizons mission. That's a mission to Pluto, by the way. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, I'm, and I'm down with that. Okay. Yeah, okay. Right. Who names these things New Horizons? It sounds like a retirement center. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you name it like Space Laser 50 Million? I mean, yes. Like, yes. It used to be called The Future of Everything. Yeah. It used to be called the Pluto Kuiper Express. And that was happening right around the time when Pluto was getting demoted. And the people who were tooling the spacecraft were worried that if Pluto got demoted, the Pluto Kuiper Express would somehow get its funding affected. Mm-hmm. And so it got yeah. a whole fresh makeover, basically. That's right, that's right. New Horizons. It's, it's <laughs> Die in peace. So NASA has a robot called Robonaut 2. Do you know about this robot? I do. And that robot tweets at Astro Robonaut. And this is a robot that looks like a human to do what a human would do in a previously human-designed task. Now, when you say looks like a human, do you mean, like, looks like a human? You know, like... <laughs> it's an anthropomorphic design. You would look at it as at least a, looking like a moving mannequin of some kind. Yeah, because like think about... Like the movie mannequin? But you would not be fooled at a restaurant. You wouldn't no. be like, this is my friend Jack, and he'd be like, <laughs> Jack's a robot, sir. I wouldn't say that. If, I, if the person introduced the robot to me as a human, I would deal with it that way, because I don't know what this person's deal is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to judge. Got to learn to accept people. I mean, I'll leave there. I'll go to the bathroom. I'll go, you'll never believe the shit I'm dealing with at this table. (laughs) But so it looks fairly human. What does it do? When you say human tasks, do you mean like it makes breakfast? I just want to clarify. I just want to clarify. So... The old days, you'd make a robot, and a robot in our mind was something that looked human. And then we realized we can make something better than a human to do specific tasks. So why anchor it to the form of a human? Well, that's right. Maybe make a human that could crawl across a truss work on the space station should be more like a bug than a human. Right, than a human, for example. And so there might be some tasks that we duplicate with human motion that we use this robot to do. That's right. Part of the idea, I think, is that if the astronauts are unavailable, we need the robot to use the tools that the astronauts use. So it would have to be a similar design. How right. long till whatever you're it describing? Fingers, it, has, it, it has fingers and arms and, yeah. how, and how it's going to fit through hatches and so yeah. on. And how long till it votes? <laughs> like, uh, 10 years? There'll be a new amendment. It'll be a three-fifths rule regarding robots. No, 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 no. Not enough black people here to have that reaction. Good catch. <laughs> Calm down. Good Calm catch. Down. <laughs> <laughs>
Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So, what's your favorite robot in space out there now, other than your own rat? It could be his own rat. Or your favorite spacecraft. I just want to know, what does a roboticist think is the favorite? Oh, and don't I, just I, say Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually have a... This is going to sound terrible, but my favorite is one of the Russian spacecraft. He's Russian, so you're good you're, with him. It's right kind here. of my spacecraft. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? Sample return was what we're trying to do on Mars. It's such a complicated thing. It's what you have to bring a rocket to the surface. Mm-hmm. The Russians executed a sample return mission in 1970. Because they scared the spacecraft so much <laughs> that it was like, if I mess they up, did I'll it die. On, they'd returned samples three times from the moon with a completely automated and a robotic device. And it just astounds me. Hardly anybody knows about it, but it was a stupendous achievement. And, and it, where did favorites. it go and come back? Or is, it, it, it that's what sample return back. means. Yes, no, I, I mean, I'm getting it we slowly send, now. <laughs> we had to send Neil and Buzz to get those samples. And they sent an automated spacecraft three times, and they did it. We never did it. And what a country. No one's ever done it from a big planetary body. We sent Neil and Buzz. They sent a robot. They probably did it for less money. So if you had the choice to send a robot or a person, what would you do? To which location? Oh, 
Yeah, France, the moon, <laughs> the sun. Okay, so Mars. Can um, we pick the people? Be like, you're somebody I don't Mars. like. I'm all in favor of ultimately sending people to Mars. And part of the Curiosity rover is equipped with instrumentation that is designed to look, for example, not only the amount of water that's available on Mars, because it's important for the astronauts when they get to Mars someday, that they have water available for not only for drinking, but for power and energy. Would you but be also able to they drink? need to, to know if the radiation levels are survivable, and there's an instrument on Curiosity that is constantly monitoring the... Radiation from the sun. From Wait, the sun yeah. and the galactic radiation and cosmic radiation as well. Could you drink the water? If we found water on Mars, you could drink it. In fact, this is a finding of Curiosity's finding, is that the water that was present at one point was probably quite drinkable. Really? At one point, but not Well, now. I mean, it's not there now it doesn't on exist the surface. Now, yeah. It oh, might exist. There's a chance there's still water no, on the surface. In fact, we, we know that there's water. Another finding, I think it was just released the day before yesterday, is that, that the contents of the rocks in the near surface are holding a tremendous amount of water. In them. Yes. So yeah. you are saying, be careful of the water in Mexico, but drink the water on Mars. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Squeeze a rock right into your mouth. <laughs> so, speaking of looking for water, one of Jupiter's moons, Europa, has an ocean of liquid water... Another one of these moons kept warm by the gravitational stress. Of this is not a smart-ass question. You said liquid water. Yeah, yeah, I was right there with you. I was yeah, right there good. with you. I was right Does there. that mean, is that because you would distinguish for ice and, and a well, gas? frozen water or gaseous water. Gotcha, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm just checking. Sorry. That was not a smart-ass question. Yeah, I, yeah, I, no, I no, no, that. that's cool. We're just cool. checking. I'm just... We're cool. I'm trying, cool. to, I'm trying to learn We're stuff good. here as well. I <laughs> dropped out of community college, so this is like four credit hours. <laughs> <laughs> Dear college, yeah. I think now I can graduate. Yeah. Listen to this. <laughs> so Europa is kept warm on the inside. It's frozen on the outside. If we want to look for life in that ocean, it's been ocean for billions of years, we're going to have to drill through maybe a half a mile of ice. That's right. Can you drill through a half? Can you, your peeps do that? We are uh, among a few groups that are, are conducting research development projects where we are building a mole to try to dig through a half a kilometer of ice. Is it drill? What does it do? How does it, it get It does through? drill. Is it a it, robot it mole? Takes, it's a robot mole. And it takes the, the cuttings that it's drilling down and throws it behind itself and keeps drilling down that way. But you have to get rid of the cuttings. So it eventually has to bring the cuttings up to the surface and keep going down. And it may take months to do it. But there's no technical reason what we see that can prevent it from happening. I have a question. You said you're on a team. How much nowadays space exploration is distinguished between country? Like when you're saying the Russians did this. Are, are, no, you're, how international are your collaborators? Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what your question means. You ever, Jason, you have any, oh, no. wait, wait. I mean, are we still in a, a space race against competing. the Russians? Oh, have you ever had an Italian friend? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like friend, friend. Like, you know, like drive you to the airport kind of friend. Like, not, not just someone like, oh, you're having a dinner at your place yeah you got to go to this guy's place he makes amazing bread kind of friend no <laughs> well the cold war definitely spawned actually some amazing space races in robotics um, with these lunar missions the russians sent a countless missions to the moon right that were automated and the, to mars also into venus they landed the only ones that ever been to venus and they, they took pictures on the surface of venus and what have they done late are they and still they just, doing that is it still happening yeah, no, they just no, but see, now after the Cold War, the Russians have way scaled back their space uh -huh. exploration. But they have fabulous capabilities. We're sending our astronauts on Russian spacecraft to the space station. Because yeah. we don't have a shuttle. But I want to get back to Europa. There might be life there. You're drilling a hole through There's it. You have water. collaborators. Yes. And are your collaborators American or international? Well, on the technology, they're American. But the instrumentation, there's a lot of international 
But Curiosity has instruments from Spain, Russia, France. Mm-hmm. So even the French, Ooh. even the French. <laughs> so when when is this launch? The Europa mission? Yeah. I'm oh no. That. Well, the engineering problems are so Titanic. NASA is smart enough to know that this is going to take a. Decade. When you're looking for water, don't use the word Titanic. Okay. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Fair point. <laughs> yeah. We're going to need decades of research and development. And we're okay. talking about digging a hole tens of millions of miles away with only a small amount of power. And like as you said, a half a mile deep. It's a really big achievement. We it'd, be, it'd be hundreds of millions of miles away. Hundreds yeah, of millions of miles away, yeah. the outer planets. Yeah. Thousands of miles away, too. And there's but no, the worst that's right, way there's to no, there's no solar power available out there, so you're going to have to bring nuclear power. Yeah. Way more than well, one I, mile I, away. It's great that you're in all of this. But I'm not done with you. We're going to find out what robots are doing back here on Earth. You're listening to Star Talk Live, Bellhouse. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.